This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you. Thank you for the music, and uh, I am grateful for you being here this morning. I love that uh, the last song that we sung, that last bridge, I lay down all lesser things for greater gain, for he is alive inside of me, and really all throughout this passage of Galatians that we've been going through, and really just life in general, it really comes down to that. Am I willing to lay down the lesser things of life for him? Am I willing to do that? And uh, I'm excited to continue in Galatians. We are uh, about two and I guess two, three weeks. Uh, We will finish out this entire book uh, that we have spent a lot of time in, and I pray that it's been encouraging to you. And today we are looking at Galatians chapter 6, and uh, there are laws in Scripture, and there are natural laws, and then there is the law that we are going to look at today. There are things that impact, then there are things like that we will talk about today. This is one of the things, or one of the truths, uh, that is literally a part of every religion. Uh, It's a part of every aspect of our lives. Uh, This is one of those days today that you could absolutely ignore me and it will still take place in your life. Um, And it's just one of those type of truths. It affects the believer as much as it affects the non-believer. It hits all of us. And the thought of this is just that law of sowing and reaping. The truth of sowing and reaping affects and impacts every area of your life, period. Everything. Your time that you spend on your profession. The time that is spent in and towards your family or away from your family. Time spent in studies for school. Time spent with the Lord the effects of our diet that it has to our bodies, and the list can go on and on and on and on. Outside of the Bible, we use phrases like what? Is it goes around, comes around? Or comes around, goes around, I kept. You got it, there you go. Turnabout is fair play. Actions have consequences. Some people will use the word karma. Elections. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says this, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them do unto others. Treat others how you would like to be treated. The easy question that I could pose to you this morning might be just as simple as this, is what are you sowing? Maybe it would be this, how are you treating people? What is your desired end? I've dealt with students for many, many, many years now. I guess I've been dealing with students for almost the last 20 plus years of my life. And they often ask questions and I always ask them, well, what do you want to be? What do you want to do when you get out of school? Or what's the big dream? What's the big goal that you might have? And then I would ask them this question. So how do you have to get there? What do you have to do today to make that happen? We have all of these things that, that can be brought into this passage of Scripture today. Last week we looked at 
bearing one another's burdens. And the, the manner to which we talked about that and the manner of which that happens inside of our church is that we as a church have a culture. If you remember, we talked about the culture of our church being that of a, a gracious culture. That we would show forth grace, not legalism. That we would look to people, that we would love people not because they did wrong or they failed this or they failed that and it was me versus you and this, this, this thought of competition between each other, but in God's grace that we would bear one another's burdens, that we would lift one another up regardless of the hurt and the pain that they walked through the doors with. But we have to have that culture of grace. But in order to do that in a church, again, it's the same thing. If we don't show grace, we don't have the opportunity to bear those burdens with one another. It's that law of sowing and reaping. It's, it's taking this whole entire thing. We begin to kind of really pull all of this together. It's what we've touched on for really many, many weeks. I've referenced back to this in Galatians chapter 5, 13 through 16. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty... Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but what? remember this, but by love serve one another. We've said this over and over. We have been called to liberty to serve one another in love. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do we see throughout just that passage, those three verses, sowing and reaping? It's all throughout this. It's what we've talked about in our previous series of throughout Christmas and then into this walk in Him. It's our emphasis this year, one of our major emphasis is, emphasis is, how do you say that? That's one of our emphases, is that even a word? I don't know. But our emphasis at Oasis is that we would spend time in our family, that we would teach on the family and show what God's word says about the husband and the wife and the children and the, the family, the body that God has put together inside of our homes and how vitally important that is. All of these things we've talked about in the last several weeks. This passage is completely, just complete with nuggets. Maybe we would even say it's just one big nugget. But I believe that the law of sowing and reaping in this passage gives us a very clear warning, a very clear promise, and a very clear a proportion as to how that affects us. See, this is a sermon, I said it earlier, that you can take it or you can ignore it. Some of you might sit here just right now and you're like, well, I've heard somebody say something about this before. I already know what it is to sow and to reap. And I will promise you this, you will sit throughout this entire sermon, you'll take absolutely nothing from it, and you will reap absolutely nothing from it. It will, whether you ignore it or you take it, that's the reality of this passage of Scripture. But I would encourage you, whether it's taking notes or it's just jotting down thoughts or whatever, it, it doesn't necessarily necessarily what I have to say from it, but what does God's word speak to what this is in our lives and how can we take the warnings? How can we take the principles that God is teaching us and show forth a life honoring to him in our lives through our sowing and reaping? Galatians chapter 6 this morning, verse 
number 6 is where we'll start and we'll go to verse number 10. And it says this, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Father, I ask that you would use your word to touch the hearts of each one that are here. And God, that we would take the truths that are here and apply them. Lord, that you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen. The law of sowing and reaping gives us, the first thought, is a clear warning. It gives us a clear warning. If we're to look at verses 7 and 8, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Let's just go to class, if we were in class right now, and I were to say, hey, tell me a couple of the warnings that we're looking at right here. What does it say? Okay, deception. Hey, guarded, be, be warned. I'm, I'm warning you all, do not be deceived. What else? Don't mock God. What's the other warning slash promise of that? You will reap what you sow. If we are deceived, we will reap what we sow. If we are mocking God, we will reap what we sow. There's a warning and there's a truth, a promise that is given to, the, to us. Paul warns against deception, against mocking God for what we sow, we will reap. I would say this, I can speak for myself and uh, I can't speak for everybody else that teaches the word of God. There's several people in this room that either have taught or currently teach the word of God in different capacities, whether it's a life group or uh, some of you teach at the nursing homes on Saturdays, some of you teach uh, the word of God uh, rescue mission, uh, Bible class at 9.30 on Sunday morning, or maybe it's uh, the teenagers, or whatever it is, but many of you teach in different capacities. Our children, uh, Awana on Sunday nights. But we teach in different areas. And I would say, and I hope I can speak for all of you that teach, I teach the Word of God not just to stand up here and hear myself speak. I do believe there are some that just want to hear themselves speak, and they want you to know how intelligent they are. I would probably say I'm not all that intelligent, so I don't know how much that would get you, but why do we teach? Why is it that we teach? Do you know when I, I sit and talk to Mike often, and I talk to Murray often, and I talk to several other men on a regular basis, and one of the things that, that, that comes when we bring scripture into it, is there's a joy and an excitement over the word of God. There's something that, that is alive inside of them with the word of God. And here's the reality for all of us, I hope, that teaches, is that we want to, and our desire is not just to give you something, but that we would try to spur you into your own walk with God, that you would have a desire, that you would have a hunger, that you would have a thirst for righteousness according to God's word. I pray that when I'm done on a Sunday morning, you leave in a little bit, one, a little bit encouraged and challenged, 
But I pray also that you don't just go, oh, that was cool. High five, pastor. Great job. But that you leave wanting to dive in a little bit more yourself. You are challenged to now go back to the book. And now I've got to understand some of these things. So we, we want to do that. It's a desire that you would have a greater personal desire. That you would know scripture. That you could rightly divide the word of God. And ultimately what would that be? That you would not be deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Matthew 24, 24, for there shall ri- arise false Christ and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceived, deceive the very elect. Listen, in our day today, as it has been for years and years and years and years and years and years, there's going to be people that are trying to deceive you and giving you something that is false, that is not according to the word of God. And moment by moment by moment by moment, people are dropping off like flies. Our churches aren't actually growing in attendance inside of the United States of America. It's actually in a decline. Thousands of churches are closing down, not every year, every week inside of the United States of America. And you know a large part of that is we have been deceived by the the false teachings, but we've also been deceived by just the enemy that, oh, it's okay, I'm living my own little decent life, I don't have to be there, I don't have to serve, I don't have to give, I don't have to do these things. No, we've been deceived into the lies of the enemy so that we would sit back and we'll let the pastor and we'll let somebody else do those things that are all of our jobs as believers. Listen, if the enemy can deceive us, obviously this is talking about just the deception that we fall into, false religions and other things, but it's, if he can get us to sit back and do absolutely nothing, he's like, sweet. And a lot of that has happened in our churches. A lot of that has happened inside of our, our culture. Deception leads to mocking God, Satan, or the false teaching, it is a seducer, deceiving, being deceived, mocking God. It's why we must stand firm and teach the word of God. It's why you must do your part to know him, to study the word of God. Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers and the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand. Paul is speaking a lot of this is self-deception. A lot of this is we don't know God's word and we're deceived. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, What the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? How many of you have ever been in a situation where you've just deceived yourself? 
I have plenty of times where I have gotten myself into a situation and I'm like, well, it's okay if I talk myself into doing something or, well, it's not a bad thing. There's some decisions that we have to make. I believe with all my heart there's been decisions that I've had to make that I don't know that they would have been it wouldn't have been an immoral decision. It would not have been a bad decision to stay in Las Vegas and minister in Las Vegas to take a job in Virginia and do ministry in Virginia. I don't believe for me that was a bad moral decision. I believe God could have used me in either situation. But my heart said Vegas. My mind and everything else in me said, I want to go back to Virginia because that's where I want to be. Many of you have had similar situations. And I, I don't say I could have deceived myself, but I could have just went with what I wanted. I called my wife and I'm like, woohoo! I just got a job offer back in Virginia. It was my dream job. But the more that we talked, the more that I knew in my heart, that I was trying to talk myself into going back to do something that God hadn't really, it wasn't really what He was pulling me. I could have easily deceived myself. And that's not a bad decision, but we deceive ourselves in sin too. Well, it's okay to do this. It's okay, and we talk ourselves into doing things. Deception is real. We deceive ourselves because our hearts can be wicked. I say as Paul did as much to me as I say to you, God is not mocked. This church was dealing with the deception of legalism. If we remember all of Galatians, there was so much legalism in law versus grace. And that there were works plus Christ that were getting there. They were teaching all of these things. Today... I don't know that that is what we face at Oasis Baptist Church. I don't know that we are facing a legalism in the sense of what they are facing. But I would say this. I believe there's people that sit inside of this room, myself included. We deal with our pride. We deal with lust. We deal with other things that nobody else knows that we deal with. And nobody else sees it. And we come in and we believe that we can sit here and we can do all that we are doing to make you believe that I am somebody special. And I am trying to deceive God. I am mocking God. By putting on the smile and putting on my jacket and making sure that you all know how perfect my world is. And we just, we mock God. God's word says what? <laughs> Let him that is taught, sorry, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Listen, I don't say I'm not standing up here because I have anybody in mind, but I'll just, I'll just tell you flat out. There's times I face it. I deal with it. There's times I've stood up here. There's times I've sat right there on a Sunday morning as we're worshiping God, and I've had to just say, God, my heart's not right. And right there, I'm, I have to repent. I have to confess. I have to turn because my heart isn't where it ought to be. We all deal with it, but we have to what? We have to say, God, the, the warning is this. Do not give in to the deception 
Because God is not mocked. I can't pull a quick one over on God. And what does it say? Why? Because what? He's not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Church, it's, it's serious. The warning is clear. We will reap what we sow. For a believer to sin willingly in any way and to any degree is to deny God himself. But to sin while thinking he is somehow immune from God's standard of holiness is to mock the Lord and to mimic the world. Will we reap or we will reap what we sow? As we move on to the next statement. Once we have finished sowing, I want you to remember this because this, as I was reading, this was just jumped out at me and it just kept coming back. Once we have finished sowing, we cannot change the harvest. Would we not live in such a manner that we are praying for God to change the harvest or for God to give us crop failure? I'm sowing, I'm putting all the corn seed down that I need to. I've got everything set up. All the rows are there. The corn is down. We're ready to go. And now all of a sudden we're like, oh my word. God, don't allow any of that to work. Would you flood all the seed out? When we sow, we will reap. Let's not live in such a manner where we're now going, oh, God, would you change that? Would you not allow the crops to come up? There is a very clear warning. The law of sowing and reaping gives us a clear warning. It also gives us a clear promise. I think sometimes we think that this law isn't certain. I have thought, has anybody else been like, yeah. You did something and you're like, you're waiting like, oh, I just did this. And you're like, oh. Oh, I'm all right. Nothing happened. Right? Nothing happened. I just royally screwed that up. I messed up bad. And I'm like, nothing happened. No lightning struck me. How many times have you heard, you, know, you may not hear this as often as I heard it. If I walk into that church, lightning would strike and we'd all be dead, right? I haven't seen it yet. I've yet to see the person that has said that walk into a church. A couple weeks ago, somebody told me that. They walked into this church. They sat down in church. And I, nobody died of lightning strike. It's pretty amazing. Many times in my own life, I've made bad decisions. And I've thought, oh, my goodness. Mom and dad are going to kill me. And I'm like, oh, they didn't even know. <laughs> right? We just sometimes, I think, we believe in ourselves. Like, that's not, that's a problem. But that, that, it must not be real for me right now. No, it's a promise. We will reap what we sow. It may not happen today. It might actually not even happen tomorrow. But it will happen. And so there's a clear promise. The word says it's a natural law. We will reap what we sow. When, cords, when the corn seed goes in, corn will be harvested. 
It is the law, physically speaking. And as we continue to go further, it's spiritually as well. Verse number eight. Again, it speaks of for he that soweth to his flesh shall reap or shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Romans two, nine and ten says it this way. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and of the Gentile. But glory, honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. The law of salvation in Jesus Christ is, in fact, the ultimate demonstration of that law. Jesus Christ sowed perfect righteousness and reaped eternal life, which he gives to those of us who trust in his finished work. The believer reaps eternal life because in faith he is united with Christ and with what he has sown and reaped on man's behalf. But the believer, listen to this, is not thereby exempt from all the consequences of his own sowing. He will never reap the ultimate consequence of sin, which, is, which are death and judgment, because his Lord already reaped those consequences for him. But he continues to reap the earthly heartaches, wounds, shame, and pain of his sin and foolishness. God's law of cause and effect still operates in the lives of his children. That's very real. If you've genuinely come to a place where you know Christ is your Savior, you may have skirted, if you will, the eternal damnation of hell. But we've completely, I wouldn't say eliminated, but we've completely almost eliminated that life of joy and peace and comfort because we desire to live in sin over, as the song said, laying our lives down, laying the lesser things down. The word of God says corruption. The word corruption is this. It's degeneration. Going from better to worse. It was sometimes used of decaying food which turns from that which is beneficial to that which is harmful. The deeds of the flesh are always corruptive and can only make a person progressively worse. The ultimate corruption is eternal death. The wages of sin is death. When we know to do right and go against it, we will reap what we have sowed in the flesh. We will experience that earthly heartache, that consequence of sin. Yet when we sow to the Spirit, the Word of God speaks of life everlasting. What if we've just looked at a lot of these things over just the last several weeks? If we were to just go into what is it when we sow into the Spirit? We just talked about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5. We've talked about walking in the Spirit or walking by the Spirit in Galatians 5. We've talked about being led by the Spirit in Galatians 5. In John chapter 8 and John chapter 15, it speaks about abiding in Christ. Colossians 2, it speaks of walking in Christ. Colossians chapter 3, it says to set our mind on Christ. When we are sowing into the flesh, we will reap the corruption. That is a constant degradation. It's constantly going south. We are constantly worse and worse and worse. The corruption is a constant degenerate. It's constantly fading away. But it says if we, leave, if we sow into the Spirit, 
that we are sowing into all of these things, the fruit of the Spirit, that we would then walk by the Spirit, that we would be led by the Spirit, that we would rest and abide in the Spirit, that we would do all of these things because it is eternal, it is, it, it is external. No sin in a believer's life can separate him from eternal life, but any sin in his life corrupts his reflection and enjoyment of that eternal life. I've said this over and over and over and over and over again. Salvation is not just an eternal thing, right? Salvation isn't just that, oh, one day I can go to heaven. Salvation is that hope and that peace and that joy that we can have today, moment by moment, minute by minute, day by day, that we can celebrate, that we can have the joy of Christ today. And when we sow into our flesh, We may have the eternal hope of Christ, but I believe the most miserable people that I know on this earth are those that know Christ, know right from wrong, but constantly choose to do their own thing. It's misery. It's misery. Pastor, I don't understand why all of this happens. Pastor, I, I, this is taking place and this is taking place and I'll sit and I'll sit across from a table or I'll sit side by side with them or it's over the phone and I'll say, hey, how, how are you doing with this? Well, but, but you don't understand. I don't have time for that. Wait. You're complaining about all of these things in life. You're complaining about being unhappy. You're complaining about your marriage falling apart. You're complaining about this. But you don't have time for church. And you don't have time for God. Well, but you just don't understand. I guess I don't. Here's what that is. I'm sowing into my flesh expecting a spiritual eternal life reward. If I sow to my flesh, what is it telling you? Corruption is coming. When I sow to the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. All of those things are what pour out of that. That's eternal. And we see over and over and over again, so many of us. I've been right there Many, many times. Why are you so upset, Pastor? Aaron, what is wrong with you? I have no idea. I'm just in, I'm in a funk. Sometimes that's just because of sin in my life. But yet I'm trying to portray this and think this, but I'm not acting that way. It's miserable. So as we look at all of these things, as we look at this, there is a promise. There is a very clear promise to how we live a life. We can be happy. But when we are in a persistent manner of doing the wrong thing, the wrong thing will happen. We will reap what we have sown. The sinning Christian has a battle raging within him that an unbeliever does not. And I've talked about that. 
The believer who sows to his flesh does not lose the Spirit, but he loses that fruit of the Spirit. He loses that love and that joy and that peace and that patience and that, that kindness. Think about this. David did not pray, restore unto me my salvation, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. So this morning, there is a very clear warning There is a very clear promise as to when we act this way, this will happen. And then this morning, there is a very clear proportion. And that's kind of a weird, I didn't know exactly how to title that last thought, but take it for what it is. A clear proportion. If we look at this passage... And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap... If we faint not. There is a promise. As to what will happen. As we sow into the spirit. Let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap. If we faint not. Continually being faithful in that. There will be a reaping of the harvest. Again. If I look back at the beginning. Are we praying for crop failure? Or are we truly praying that will be one that doesn't experience that. There was an old pastor who passed away many, many years ago, and he preached a sermon titled Payday Someday. And in the premise of that sermon of Payday Someday, it was this, that it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, but someday there will be a payday. We must remain faithful. This is why this verse speaks of this. I know so many times, what does it say? It, 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 we've all heard this passage of scripture. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Sometimes we expect. See, here's the difference between spiritual payday, if you will, and physical. See, the physical, I know when I plant that seed in so many months, that crop is going to come up. Spiritually, we're not guaranteed that. I'm not guaranteed today that if I live faithfully for the next 50 years preaching and teaching the word of God that we'll have a church of 10,000. I'm not guaranteed that we will have anything. There's many missionaries who've gone and left and served for years and years and years and they've died having maybe one convert. See, they weren't, God didn't say, hey, if you go and do it, we will, we'll make sure that you have all of this. Spiritually, they never received the benefit of the hours and the hours and the days and the days. And they could have said, you know what? God, I have done all of this for all of this time. I'm done. This is not worth it. But you know, most of China or much of the Asian countries are being populated more and more with Christianity that's coming through because there was one man who I believe he had one convert. And now millions of millions of millions of people have come to know Christ. Why? Because he was faithful. See, he didn't reap any of that. We have to remain faithful. We have to remain faithful. Don't get caught up in the lies that when you don't get a reward today, It's not worth it. Stay. Remain. 
It's in His time. Don't become exhausted. Don't become weary. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, God's Word says. Yes, there's times that we have to take a step back and settle ourselves. There are all of those things in life. It's healthy to do so. It's healthy. If you want a healthy pastor, it's good for me to take a break. Some people are like, you have too much vacation time. But the reality is this. If you want a healthy pastor, whether it's at Oasis Baptist Church or any church that you attend, your pastor has to have health. I would say the same thing to you. If we want healthy ministries, there has to be health. That means we have to have the people to serve. That means they need the rest that they will need and so on and so forth. But we need to continue to be faithful. We need to continue to serve. We need to be steadfast, be unmovable. Not this stuff of, well, nobody gave me an award. (laughs) We can't get caught up in that. You know, Pastor, I've been serving this ministry for three years, and you've never one time said thank you. I'm sorry. I try to, as much as I can, say thank you. We do entire days just to honor everybody that serves. I try. Pastor, I've been coming to this church for five years, and I walked out the door the other day, and you didn't even shake my hand and say goodbye. Wait, what? You laugh. This is real life. This is not a joke. People do stuff like this. Why? This doesn't happen. I I don't even remember the last time any of those things happened at a waste. Just some of you are like, did you do that? (laughs) Settle down. It is getting hot in here, but not because of that. Um... But no, that's, do you know why that happens though? Because our service becomes about us. And it's not about just honoring God and glorifying God. And we get tired. And we get weary. And we begin to sow into the flesh. I'm serving out of my flesh now, not to the Spirit. And when I do that, it becomes about me. Let's get to some good stuff. Not that that's not good stuff, but it's not as exciting sometimes, you know. 2 Corinthians, just a couple of books over. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse number 6 says this. But this I say, it's kind of a sister passage, if you will. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. See, the... The proportion to which we desire to be blessed, if you will. This is not a one of those where you, know, you give more and you'll get more. Like That's not what this is. But the proportion to which I desire to be blessed, spiritually speaking, comes back to what I give. You want a godly home? then you give time to a godly home. You want, if I were to ask you right now, hey, how many of you want an incredible, amazing, awesome relationship with God? 
slowly hands are going up and you're all really nervous about what's to happen next, right? I bet you if I were to ask any of you that, you'd go, oh, absolutely, Pastor. I desire to have a thriving relationship with God. I want to hear from God. I want to know God more. But, you know, Sunday mornings are the only day that I have off. And I try to be there at least once every six weeks. And at least once a month I read my Bible at home. Well, that's awesome. Thank you. I pray that it's encouraging. But if you want a thriving relationship with God, you're going to probably need to spend time with God more than once a month. At home. And you're probably going to want to be in God's house with God's people serving and growing in the word of God within that more than once every four to six weeks. And I'm not saying this to just like hurt feelings and drop a bomb, but this is a reality. Some of, some of us, we, w- we would say, hey, I want, I'll, just, I'll be transparent. One of the things, my goal this year is that I personally would be a more godly man inside of our home, that I would be a better father and a better husband, and that I would more lead our home than, that's really bad, that I would lead our home better than I ever have. So do you know what I have chosen to do? I've chosen to change things in my schedule within our calendar so that I'm home. No, I don't leave the office earlier. But when I'm home, I, I, I'm trying to be home. Do we follow? We've changed things in our home. I don't say that to boast or brag. But I want to be a better, more godly man in my house. I have to change that. If I want to be, if I want to know God's word more, I'm the only one that can change that. I'm the only one. And that might mean I have to wake up earlier. It might mean I have to stay up later. It might mean on my lunch break I don't go out to lunch. I sit at my desk. It might mean I go to my car. It might mean all of these different things. But I'm the only one that can change that. And as I pour into my relationship with God, I will get more out of it. The proportion is from Him. But He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. I want a great relationship with God. (laughs) He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. I want a great relationship with God. I better bountifully pour into that. I want, a better, I want to be a better husband. I better bountifully pour into my spouse. And I better bountifully pour into myself to be that. You want to do better at work? You've got to pour into that. You want to be better at whatever it is? You want to... I, I won't say that one. Because we all, all right, someone's going to be upset though. It's really, it's not like super spiritual. But it's the beginning of the year and we've all got to lose 20 pounds. Right? I mean, it's, it's all of these things and I'm not trying to be funny, I'm not trying to be whatever, but we all say this is what we want, but we're unwilling to put in the effort to make it happen. And it's spiritually as well as physically. Because it hurts. It's not as fun. It's all of these things. 
As we conclude, if we look at verse number 6, and we look at verse number 10, it says this, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In verse number 10, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. There's two examples of sowing and reaping given kind of at the beginning of this and at the conclusion of this. Sowing into the one who is teaching. Maybe this is awkward because I'm the one who is teaching. But Paul says you should sow into the one who is teaching. This really is a, a tithing principle more than it is anything. But it goes back to pouring back into that local. If I'm the one that's teaching and I'm the one that's giving you the word, then then this is your place that you come to get that, then this is a place that you would sow into, that you would pour into. I heard this, and I just am saying it because I thought it was awesome and funny. This is from another pastor, so I'm just, I'm just copying it. If you don't like it, I'll give you his name, and you can call him. But it was funny. He said this. There was these guys that came to me, and people ask all the time, Pastor, is it okay if I tithe to this ministry even though I attend your church? And he said, I have a question for you. Is it okay for me to eat at Chili's and pay Applebee's? <laughs> if you don't like it, I'll give you his name. But it's a, it's a simple thought. If you come to this house of worship because this is the place that you are being fed the word of God, then you sow into that. And it also goes back as we look at verse number 10. It says the same as we, we've read. Free to, we're free. We are given liberty to what? In love serve others. Do good unto all men, especially those in the household of faith. We are to love all people, but we are to especially love those that are in our house. We are to care for them. We are to love them. We are to lift them up. We are to love God and love others. We are to, for us here, we do that in several different ways. It's knowing Him, walking with Him, serving Him, sharing Him. So this morning, I ask you a couple questions. What are you sowing? What is it that you're sowing? Where are you sowing? Are you in a place, believer, that you are just growing weary? I am giving and I'm serving and I'm serving and I'm giving and I'm doing and I'm doing and I'm doing. But now I've become to do it on my own and I'm not sowing to the spirit in that regard of service. I'm now sowing to the flesh and I'm, it's becoming about me. Are you sowing to the flesh praying for crop failure today? Are you sowing to the flesh and about to reap corruption because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? There may be somebody that sits here that you would just say, I've, I just don't know God. And I'm sowing and I'm pouring into my life of sin and my life of all of these things. And I'm realizing that there will be a, an end to that. And this morning, regardless of where you sit inside of that spectrum... I believe that this passage of scripture touches base and touches on every single person in this room. 
And so maybe the question as we close of what are you sowing, where are you sowing, it's just the simple thought of, God, I, I desire this, but my life is not leading me to that end. What is your desired end today? Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.